Listen, buddy, if you're looking for the Diet Frozen Yogurt Bar, it went out of business last summer. Actually, I'm looking for a Batman number 14. to the Coffee and Comics Podcast. I'm your host, the caffeinated Clinton Robinson. This episode is a special treat because I have been asked to participate in the amazing annual crossover that is J.L. May. This year's J.L. May topic is DC's event from the year 2000, Silver Age. For those of you unfamiliar Silver Age was a 12-part storyline that ran through a series of one-shot comic books. Each of the 12 issues were one-shot, however they formed a larger story arc in which the Justice League of America fights the Injustice League formed by the villain Agamemno. The art, dialogue, narrative style, and even the format of the comics were more or less designed to mimic comics from the Silver Age era of publication. But we'll get into that in a bit. And when I say we, I mean it. Because I couldn't dare cover this thing solo. Joining me today is former guest of this show and current co-host of Marvel's Secret Wars and Beyond, Greg Arujo. How's it going? (laughs) Good morning. How's it going, Greg? Well, I've had my first cup of coffee and I'm ready to tackle this comic. Are you sure you can handle it with just one? Uh, two, if I had a second cup of coffee, I'd be bouncing off the walls and, and, and would be even more incoherent than I usually am. <laughs> okay, okay. We'll, we'll take it at that. So, Greg, uh, what is your experience with Silver Age? Well, this particular event, I know I purchased it back in 2000. My comic book reading at this point was starting to taper off just a little bit. I think this was kind of the beginning of trade paperbacks. And I was probably transitioning into them a bit more. Um, I know I picked this up. I don't remember, didn't remember too much about it other than the basic premise and the general feeling that I liked it. But we can get into that with this specific issue that <laughs> nostalgia, rose colored, in this case, is a rose colored glasses. Okay. All right. Now, personally, I had never read anything out of this event except for the uh, showcase portion, which is a, a Seven Soldiers of Victory story mm-hmm. that that comes later on, and uh, luckily is covered by our good friend Stella over at Batgirl to Oracle. But and no. it's kind of odd, odd that that's the only issue of this miniseries that is available on Comicology. <laughs> yeah, of all things. I, I, I don't know why that's the case, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And for those who didn't look at any of the um, solicitation info, Greg and I are going to be talking about Silver Age, Justice League of America, which, depending on your readings, could be the second piece, the third piece, the 
somewhere in the middle piece of this crossover because the storyline kind of diverges after the first issue. Yeah, I mean, you know, I kind of just focused on this one, but it, I, it kind of feels like it takes place right after the uh, the, the the very first issue, uh, the very first part of this miniseries. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you. I mean, it even has a note that says it more or less begins right after Silver Age number one. Well, for those who haven't been reading along, uh, the storyline kind of diverges. Uh, one path following the villains, one path following the heroes. As for which one we're following, well, hopefully you've been keeping up, because <laughs> I will just barely be uh, mentioning what has happened. So, are you ready to dive into this, Greg? Oh, let's get into it. Alrighty. Silver Age, Justice League of America was written by Mark Miller, penciled by Scott Collins, inks by Dan Panosian, Letters by Jack Morelli. Colors by Tom McGraw. Separations by Jameson. The associate editor was Tony Bedard. And editor was Dan Raspler. The cover shows the members of the Justice League robbing a bank. It's a bit more dynamic than I make it sound, I promise. It's a, it's a beautiful cover done by Ty Templeton. And it does invoke the spirit of the Civil, Silver Age, mm. to be honest with you. I mean, it, 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 it in no way reflects anything that actually happens within the, the, the comic itself, nor the spirit <laughs> or the tone of the comic itself. But maybe a little bait and switch. But you know what? Given what this this entire series <laughs> is with a, a familiar outer coating with something sinister mm-hmm. inside of it, I think I think I think it's probably the perfect cover for this uh, particular issue for this particular uh, miniseries event. Uh, yeah, I can agree with that. Personally, I just I like the idea that Batman is sitting in the Batmobile smoking a cigar <laughs> with that big grin on his face. Uh, you know something's wrong with if Batman's smiling, even in the Silver Age. <laughs> yeah. Well, as we have said, our story begins shortly after the events of Silver Age number one, which was covered by Justice's First Dawn. I suggest everybody go check them out. The Injustice Gang, in the bodies of the Justice Leaguers, thanks to Agamemno, gather at the Statue of Liberty. Most members are enjoying their newfound powers, and in Lex Luthor's case, newfound hair. But Felix Faust is annoyed with being stuck as Green Arrow. As they argue amongst themselves, Faust realizes that it is the perfect chance to discover the secret identities of the JLA. Some are more surprised at these identities than others. However, Agamemno reminds the Injustice League that they still need to acquire some items for him to build the Doomsday Weapon he promised. The Injustice League split up and head into space to collect the items Agamemno requires. Catwoman in the body of Black Canary, Sinestro in the body of Hal Jordan, Dr. Light in the body of the Martian Manhunter, and Mr. Element who some of you may know as Dr. Alchemy, in the body of Flash, travel to Oa, where the, they take the Lanterns by surprise. And by surprise, I mean they ruthlessly murder the Lantern Corps and beat the <laughs> crap out of the Guardians in a fashion which makes Hal Jordan's actions during Emerald Twilight look benign. Yeah. And it doesn't take three issues, it takes about three pages. We'll let history decide which is the better version of that. <laughs> 
Uh, well, one gave us Kyle Rayner. Good point. <laughs> points to uh, points to Ron Mars. They are able to destroy the power rings and steal the central battery. Meanwhile, Black Mana in the body of Aquaman, Felix Faust in the body of Green Arrow, Kronos in the body of the Atom, and Lex Luthor in the body of Superman travel to an alien planet where they discover a crashed ship that once belonged to Brainiac. Inside are a number of shrunken cities, similar to Kandor, one of which, apparently called Rikondor, contains the jewel kryptonite that Agamemno requires. Kronos shrinks into the city and gets the kryptonite. He has a moment of conscience and wants to save the shrunken inhabitants. But Luthor decides that he does not need a whole city of Daxamites running around with Superman-level powers, and he convinces all of the other villains to smash the shrunken cities. Genocide on a global scale. And with that, the main story continues in Silver Age, Green Lantern, but be sure to read all the tie-ins for the full story. And at this point, Greg and I are going to take a quick break for some podcast promos, and we'll come back and discuss this, well, story, I guess is what you'd call it. (laughs) It's J.L. May. We're covering the Silver Age. This J.L. May, a comic event from Mark Wade. We're crossovering a podcast. There's 12 of us involved. Get it in your ear holes, this J.L. We'll tell you all. All about the Silver Age It's not great But it's okay We really have to warn you It has a controversial one Where Mark Miller wrote the lead But it also has some good stuff Deep style hate metal Challenges of the unknown Green Lantern Flash Patrol of Doom The Seventh Soldiers of Victory are in there too The annual JLMA event is upon us once more. In 2018, we're reading The Silver Age from 2001. The journey begins in the podcast Justice's First Dawn and continues in the shows Relatively Geeky, Coffee and Comics, Supermates, Waiting for Doom, Idlehead of Diablo, The Longbox Crusade, The Lantern Cast, Batgirl to Oracle, Comic Reflections, Cosmic Treadmill, The Fire and Water Podcast. Do you know it's J.M.A. The it came out in 2000. We got it right. And we're ready for some fun. Do, Do you know, know it's a
all begins this way. Read the books, listen to the podcast too. Read the books, listen to the podcast too. Read the books, let them know it's day something, something. Marvel's direct sales manager said in a crowded meeting of comic retailers, let's be honest, Secret Wars was crap, right? But did it sell? The room exploded with applause. Well, get ready for Secret Wars Series 2. Beginning in 2018, Pulp to Pixel's Marvel superhero Secret Wars and Beyond will do the unthinkable Secret Wars 2. We'll take a detailed look at the event, the tie-ins, the new characters, and we will attempt to answer one of the largest questions in the history of the Marvel Universe. What the heck was Jim Shooter thinking? No, no, seriously, what was Jim Shooter thinking? Well, you can find out at the Pulp to Pixel Podcast Network, where you can subscribe to all of our amazing shows, or just to Secret Wars and Beyond itself, as it is now in its own omnipotent feed. Secret Wars 2 and Beyond, a Pulp to Pixel Podcast production. You'll believe an omnipotent being can use the restroom. Okay, welcome back. I hope everybody stuck around because Greg and I have definitely got some thoughts on this story. <laughs> yeah, during the break, I went to go get an aspirin. <laughs> this thing makes my head hurt. Definitely. Well, before we really get into it, the first page clearly says this Justice League adventure must not be read by anyone with a nervous disposition. Honestly... Well- I don't it's think true. anybody should be reading it, period. Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, even the first page is kind of a misleading is, – is misleading for the rest of the story. Yes, it's showing the, the, the Justice League beating up uh, senior – what appears to be senior citizens. Uh, Green Lantern is slugging an old lady in the stomach as, as Aquaman holds her up by her coat. But in this case, it, it, it feels – Strange enough, playful, like you would see something in like a, a Mad Magazine version, <laughs> or uh, you would see in 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 uh, not Brand X over at uh, at Marvel. It's 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 obviously you know poking fun at the the conventions of of of, of the Silver Age Justice League of America. But in this case, you know, it, once again, once you get in deeper into the the story, it definitely doesn't have this playful feel to it at all. Yeah, I mean, I I would enjoy watching the the Injustice League in the leaguers' bodies, running around robbing banks, you know, mugging old ladies. Honestly, you know, the the kind of annex you would have seen on Super Friends. Yeah, I think with a, with something called Silver Age, I think you come into it with a certain set, a certain expectation of a tone that. Um, that that that's definitely not here. I feel like in a certain way, Miller Miller and the other creators. I you know for the purposes of this episode, I've just I read this one and didn't read any of the other ones. So I'm I, I'm gonna I'm going to voice a little bit of ignorance about the rest of the uh, the, the, the 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 this event. But 
I feel like Miller's trying to subvert that the Silver Age wasn't necessarily as squeaky clean as uh, we were led to believe. I think maybe that plays into it a little bit after uh, James Robinson's Golden Age miniseries, which I don't know if this is, you know, could be considered an actual, if the Silver Age can be considered a sequel to it or just a thematic sequel. But you can almost draw a straight line from this to the events that occur in. Identity crisis, which says that the events in kind of the Bronze Age wasn't necessarily as squeaky clean as we were led to believe. Yeah, I, I wondered if I was the only one that kind of drew some parallels between this and Identity Crisis. I mean, quite frankly, you know, into it, there's there's a comment that uh, that uh, that Martian Manhunter with the mind of Doctor Fa- uh, Doctor Light says is kind of unnerving, given what happens in Identity Crisis. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, there. I, I can't completely rag on this. There are some highlights. Oh, yeah, there are some moments of it. But at the same time, we have. OK, we have. You can you can you can cheat and say that the actions of the heroes are you know being influenced by the villains that are inside them. And we can discuss whether or not the, the villains are actually in character. But. At the end of the day, what you have is you have Superman and the Atom and Aquaman gleefully stomping on miniature versions of um, miniature Can- – not Kandorians, but essentially Kandorians or, or Daxamites. Mm-hmm. Uh, gleefully, you know, those bodies are committing genocide, which is kind of like – is that really the image you want for your, 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 your marquee characters in the DCU? Right, and I mean, it's it would be bad enough just the one city, but but well, yeah, I mean they they literally stomp on every city that is in there. There's that, and then even before that, in this particular section, you have Aquaman, Aquaman with uh, with with Black Manta in control of his body, uh, commanding fish to kill kill themselves once mm-hmm. again. It's like, I'm, Maybe that's in character for Black Manta, but is that in character for Black Manta at this particular point in this, you know, quote unquote Silver Age? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I, I, there's no way I can really rationalize it if it's either one or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're either doing something with the Silver Age stylings or you're doing it with, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s, still coming off the extreme. I mean, when you take into comparison, and probably it is a good comparison, is the way that uh, GLA Year One was um, written and and the way that that felt. I mean, it was a modern retelling of Silver Age of the Silver Age era, but I think it was much more, I don't know, respectful for the characters. That that's probably the best word right there. It was more respectful. This. And it's not even respectful towards the villains, I think. Right. I think for the most part, they feel woefully out of character. I feel like all of these characters, once they switched minds, needed to sprout mustaches because they were instantly turned into mustache-twirling villains. Yeah, this is, you know, for fans of Community, this is the darkest timeline. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, this if, if this is a Silver Age comic, it's a Silver Age comic from Earth 3. <laughs> I'm not even sure the Earth 3 villains at this point would be this bad. 
if, if we're talking like the Silver Age Earth Three, they're they're not this evil. Well, it depends upon who's writing them, of course. Yeah, but this is like the the Morrison era crime scene kind of evil. And you know, of the two parts, the second half of this book is probably the most reprehensible of the two. Uh, you know, I have no problems with the Green Lanterns, <laughs> uh, Guardians getting you know beat up. They're, they're, as history has shown, they're kind of a they are a bunch of jerks. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, it's the whole thing with the Green Lanterns is like over the span of three or four pages. It's it's over fast, and it and honestly, I blow that portion a little more out. You know, make it a little worse than what is actually depicted because you know nobody's blasting Kilowog to a skeletal remains or anything here. I mean, it. it I mean, it, we can't get away from the fact that they've like killed several hundred Green Lanterns, um, but that might be just a typical Wednesday <laughs> in the in the DCU. And you know, there is, as I said, there's a certain amount of satisfaction when you see Catwoman controlling. Black Canary's body as she gives one of the Guardians a, a solid judo kick. Yeah, and like going back to the the characterizations, Catwoman in Black Canary's body, I think is probably spot on. I can totally see like you know Julie Newmar pulling that off. Mm-hmm. Her characterization is fine. You know, even Luthor to you know him being obsessed with the hair and everything. I don't know. It just it. It comes down to the the problem with having the Silver Age. I mean, is how do you reconcile Mad Scientist Lex Luthor versus what the current version of this one was, the multimillionaire one? And mm-hmm. I, uh, it's I don't know if it's a, a good balance between the two versions. Ultimately, he's myomaniacal. Let me butcher that word this morning. Mm-hmm. But uh, and maybe you know. Maybe maybe Luther is overwhelmed by the, the suddenly having all these powers, but it's not in the actual text itself. Right, and I mean, I'll admit, Luthor having hair—that's just my favorite part because he just sits there and stares in the mirror and combs it. Yeah, but when you look at what uh, the way that uh, uh, Burn John Byrne had. Lex Luthor in the Man of Steel miniseries, you know, he was losing his hair, but he wasn't wearing toupees or anything. Right. So, so I don't know if hair was necessarily uh, a overarching mm-hmm. concern for Luthor at this period in DC history. You know, if we're talking actual Silver Age, and yeah, probably. Yeah, see, I took that to be like just what would be a Silver Age style joke. You know, Luthor... and, it would be ni- and it'd be nice if it was jokey the entire way instead right. of... Uh, 32 pages of genocide. Yeah. And the, the reaction he has when he learns that Superman is really Clark Kent, it just yeah, baffles feels, him. And that's, and, you know, and that's believable. I mean, right. once again, I'm not even certain which version of Superman's uh, backstory. If I don't think we've reached the, 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 the birthright era yet, mm, but no, not but, yet. But I'm yeah, there's, there's probably no matter what, there's some, you know, dislike for Clark Kent, maybe not as much as Superman for Lex Luthor, but uh, mm-hmm. he's a thorn in his side as well. Yeah. But I mean, it's like you said, just trying to place the timing. Hal Jordan's not Green Lantern at this point. Hal Jordan's not even alive at this point. He's mm-hmm. still the Spectre as far as, you know, two, year 2000 DC continuity. 
True. Well, I mean, but this is a this is a story that takes place in the past. Right. Oh, other than that, my only real highlight is the art, and at that, the art itself isn't really that consistent. It's more the coloring. Yeah, the the colors do pop. The thing of it is, is this doesn't really look like Scott Collins' art. I mean, it's. I I had to go back and I had to double check because it doesn't look like the art from like his run on the Flash. Or yeah. even his stuff that was on um, the Avengers with Jeff Johns. Uh, just I feel like it's Dan Panosian's art uh, uh, inking that's probably influencing this a little bit more. Right, but I mean, even at that, I don't think the art really mimics Silver Age styling very much. No, I don't think so. But it doesn't. No, I I agree. It doesn't. It doesn't look like Mike Sadowski's. Uh, it's a little. It, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask, do you have any redeeming aspects of this issue? Because we, we've covered all of mine. I think yours are pretty much the same as mine. I think Catwoman, the way he, she's uh, portrayed, uh, and particularly the way she gets a nice solid kick onto a Guardian, that's always amusing. Okay, is this... You might know more than I do on Mark Miller. Is this released any time around um, Kick-Ass? Okay, no. Here's the thing about Mark Miller. This is kind of weird in terms of his, his – he's been writing you know, DC Comics since 1994. He's had a run at this point on Swamp Thing. He's done Aztec with Grant Morrison. Uh, he's, done a, he's done some parts uh, – done some uh, work on The Flash when uh, Mark Wade took a break. Um, and he's had a really good, well-regarded run of Superman Adventures. In fact – one of the things that he's released right before this issue is Superman Adventures number 41, which is the um, 22 stories in a single bound, which is like it's a it's a it's a you know, the adaptation of the, the cartoon series. But each page has an it has an individual story on each page. And, the, you know, it's a lot of fun. And he's a different writer than what where he is in uh, Silver Age. Uh, also, he's just started his uh, he's just started working on the Authority. So something switched in his mind right around uh, the summer of two thousand. Right around two thousand, um, the Superman Adventures story is was released and has the cover date of March two thousand. This one has a cover date of July. So I don't know what's going on in his head. If he feels like he needs to do something, um, he needs to step it up. He doesn't want to be typecast as some as as the writer of Superman Adventures. So he wants to do something completely different. But you know, from here, his work goes from the Authority, which the, his first initial Authority storyline had a kind of evil version of the Avengers. Um, which, you know, it's kind of in line with the portrayal of the Justice League, the, with the, the villain's minds in this issue. Um, he's also you know, just about a, a year away from starting on Ultimate X-Men and, and the Ultimates. So he switches from kind of a, I would say, you know, Silver Age 
for lack of a better term, uh, feel to more of a modern age. It's like he's reject. You know, he he's decided he, he wants to go a different path. Something's happened to him, and I don't necessarily know what it is. You know, I enjoyed Ultimate X Men when it came out, and I enjoyed the Ultimates initially, but his his shtick gets a little old. Uh, Kick Ass isn't until much later, like two thousand and where is that? Uh, Kick Ass is like two thousand and eight. But you can see a path from Kick-Ass. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't know if it is, uh, has anything to do with the fact that he had a pitch to revamp Superman along with um, uh, Mark Wade, Grant Morrison, and Tom Pyre in uh, October of 98, that they wanted to reboot the Superman titles uh, and give it a completely new, updated feel. Uh, it had been about 15 years since Man of Steel, and they felt like a a change was overdue and uh, it was initially uh, you know, agreed upon and then it was rejected at the last minute. So I don't know if that, you know, he, he decided at that point, well, you know what? The gloves are off. I'm just going to do whatever I feel like doing. Well, and I'm glad you brought up the authority because, um, you know, this is, this story here is published just shy of a year ahead of what's so funny about truth, justice and the American way. Mm-hmm. Which you know, a lot of people will point out is more or less attacking the the authority, since you know the the group that Superman goes up against is mm-hmm. the elite. But the more I'm thinking about, it, the more I think this it might actually kind of be a response to this story. It's just kind of a that story is a response to the the kind of darkening of the heroes that you you, you, mm-hmm. you started to see during that period of time with you know, with with the ultimates and ultimate x-men and um and and you know even planetary and everything that's you know starting to take kind of a uh, different meaner take on the superheroes i, I don't know if it's a post 11 type of feel that we've had i don't know if it's what it is uh, a reaction to quite frankly at the end of the day, I just can't get away from the, the image of those the heroes stomping on innocent, miniaturized people. Right, and Be- I, I mean, even when you sit there and try and tell yourself it's the villains in their body, it, when they get their bodies back, yeah, the, and Ray Palmer is still going to have the blood of Daxamite on his boots. Yeah, quite literally. And God, the the look on Superman's face. That's right up there with any super dickery. Mm-hmm. Well, even in his most stu- super dickerish, is that a word? I'm, 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 prob- <laughs> I'm claiming it. Um, he would have stomped on Kandorians. Yeah, he might. He would have st- taught them a really mean lesson, but yeah, he might have had his boot on the neck of a Teen Titan, but he wouldn't have. Well, yeah, he wouldn't have crushed, you know, Daxamite Candor. <laughs> <sighs> so. Yeah, that that pretty much sums it up. Um, overall, I can't recommend this, but if you are going to read the Silver Age story, you have to have it because it is key to what goes on. I can say that uh, if memory serves, the, the 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 Silver Age event gets better. <laughs> <laughs> what other bits of it I've read are better, but God, it's this hard is... to get past. This is a slog. It, it, it kind of is. There's no joy to be had from this. And, and if you're somebody who had joy reading this, I, 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 I don't <laughs> if this, I don't know what to think. Yeah. 
If this issue were a scene from a movie, it would be Atreyu dragging Artex through the swamps of sadness in the never-ending story. Because <laughs> you are literally dragging your horse through a swamp and knowing full well that horse is going to drown and die. You know, I'm kind of amazed that this this has never been collected, but at the same time, after reading this story, I'm kind of glad that it hasn't been. Oh. Like I said, I was amazed that it wasn't available on Comicology. Yeah, you'd figure, you know, Mark Miller would want some, you know, a few more extra pennies thrown his way. Yeah, well, he's just recently said he never wants to work for DC and Marvel again, and to my my, my response is, well, good. Yeah, if you're going to write this. <laughs> I mean, if you want to read good Mark Miller's Justice League stories, I mean, the one that I automatically recommend is like in the JLA number 27, where the team fights Amazo, and that's you know, that when when I was doing research for this, I, I instantly remembered how much I enjoyed that one, and when the the entire team you know, faces them and is ultimately defeated, but they come up with a unique way of dealing with that character, which, you know, is a good, you know, I don't want to say silver agey, but it's a done in one type of story that, uh, that's satisfying, you know, his, his Superman adventures run. I mean, I really highly recommend that one, particularly the, uh, the, the, the 41st issue, which is the 22 stories and a single bound issue. So he has, you know, even Aztec, there, he's got some good stories, but something happened in the, in, at the turn of the century where, where he felt, you know, it, where he felt like he needed to take it up a level that, that, that he needed to embrace. He, he either got disillusioned with superhero comics and realized that they wouldn't be as squeaky clean as they had been depicted previously. And, you know, you can make a case for that. But I just really yeah. kind of disappointed and perplexed by this this issue. Yeah, and I mean we're we're talking. This is Mark Miller that did Superman, Red Sun, and Old Man Logan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has good stories in him. It's just this is not one of them. No, no, I don't think so. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, we can we can bag on Miller for for this particular story, but you. Know, DC allowed it to be placed in there. Right. They had no problem with it. They felt like it fit in with what they wanted for the Silver Age. Yep. So maybe it was required for their story. I, 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 I guess. Yep. I think we could sit here and keep ragging on this for another 30 minutes, but it would just be turning circles coming back to it. Yeah, I mean... It's as I said. Ultimately, it's kind of mind-boggling, disappointing. In a week, I'll probably forget that I read it. Maybe I'll have some PTSD <laughs> down the down the way. But there are better Justice League stories out there. Better Justice League stories than Mark Miller wrote. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree. That Amazo story you mentioned is probably one of the better ones. All right. Well, Greg, I would like to thank you so much for joining me. I definitely couldn't have handled this alone. <laughs> Uh, my pleasure. And if you could, uh, remind our listeners where they can hear more from you. You can hear me on Pulp to Pixels, Marvel's Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. Um, I'm not certain when this episode's going to come out in May, but uh, two episodes have dropped as we cover Secret, the, the glorious gem that is Secret Wars 2 and all of its tie-ins. Uh, episode 3 
might have might be out at the time that this comes out. And for more JLMA coverage, be sure to check out the latest episodes of Justice's First Dawn, Shortbox Showcase over on the Relatively Geeky Network, Supermates, The Idlehead of Diabolu over on the Rolled Spine Network, Waiting for Doom, The Longbox Crusade, The Lantern Cast, Batgirl to Oracle, a Barbara Gordon podcast, Comic Reflections, Cosmic Treadmill, and the Fire and Water podcast. They're all excellent shows, and personally, I can't wait to hear what their coverage of this event sounds like, and I really hope that their issues are more entertaining than ours. Well, this was a dirty job, but somebody had to do it. Well, I just take it as I'm the new guy on the (laughs) team up this year, so I guess I got short straw. (laughs) And I do want to thank everybody for letting me be part of this crossover. I really appreciate it. And with that, I ask that everybody please join me back here in future episodes, where hopefully we will cover something a little more uplifting. (laughs) But just keep in mind that this is the show where the comics are never too old, and the coffee is never too cold. This has been a Coffee and Comics production. All material referenced herein is copyright the respective owners, and is believed covered under fair use. Feedback can be left by emailing coffeeandcomicspodcast at gmail.com, visiting the website at coffeeandcomicspodcast.blogspot.com, or on Twitter at coffeecomicsblg. 